Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Robert Yeager and the Tao Foundation. Uh, excuse me, Professor Hill? What is it, Kion? I'm going to have to miss school on Wednesday. What for? I have to slaughter a ram as part of my ritual passage into adulthood. Ugh, fine, but I'll need a handwritten note from your parents. A what? A handwritten note. What is that? One of them takes a pen and writes it on paper. I'm pretty sure they don't know how to do that. Can we just, like, email you or... No, that's not acceptable. It needs to be in writing. My mom can draw it with her finger, like, on a touch screen. A note. A handwritten note. Can you give me one of those pens? I don't think... I'm pretty sure we don't have any. Pens. No, Miss Wolf, I will not give you a pen. Your parents have a pen. I realize this is the 21st century, but it's not the 22nd century. Well, my father, he had his entire consciousness uploaded into the Amazon cloud. He doesn't even exist on Earth anymore. Enough. Get out. Bring me a handwritten note or face the consequences. What an old crabby pants. Maybe I should listen to this show about handwriting. And now for his signature, he dunks a spider in ink and he just lets it crawl across the page. Colin McEnroe. Come on, spider. Come on. Keep going. Keep going. Come on. Come on. Come on. Got a little fly over here at the end of the page. Come on. Come on. Finish it up. Thank you. All right. So uh, we are going to talk about handwriting today, possibly the death of handwriting. So just minutes ago, I came across something which I think so perfectly expresses the, the, the behavioral and cultural crossroads we're at vis-a-vis handwriting. This is going to sound like something that I made up, but it's true. So Caesar, uh, excuse me, Hugo Chavez, the former uh, leader of Venezuela, as you know, has passed. Um, one of the ways that they are commemorating him in Venezuela, some of his followers are turning his handwriting into a font. Uh, which you which you can download for free. And they are basing the font. They took some uh, letters written by Chavez while he was in jail for a failed 1992 coup attempt, and they digitalized his handwriting. So I think it's called – let's see what it's called. It's called like Chavez – I just discovered this moments again. It's called Chavez Pro, and there's a site. We'll put it up at WNPR.org in case you're feeling – you know, like a Venezuelan communist, or at least you'd like to have that be expressed in your fonts. Um, and, and so that really kind of sums things up, right? I mean, handwriting may or may not be dying. It seems as though anyway, sort of the act of doing anything in a handwritten way is rarer and rarer. Uh, and uh, on the other hand, of course, digital life is what's crowding handwriting out. So that may be the solution, right? <laughs> All you have to do is achieve handwriting for a day or so, and then they can digitalize it, and you'll never have to do it again, assuming you are a Venezuelan dictator. All right, so uh, we're going to talk uh, uh, about handwriting on a lot of different fronts here, but let me mention a couple of other things that kind of drive this conversation forward. Um, one thing is the Common Core Standards, which have been adopted in most states, including Connecticut, call for teaching legible writing, but only in kindergarten and first grade. After that, the emphasis quickly shifts to proficiency on the keyboard. Uh, and and then um, an article, a little essay that I noticed in the New York Times, Nick Bilton uh, recently wrote about the day he couldn't find a pen anywhere. I think his uh, significant other needed to write a check, and he looked everywhere, and he finally concluded, while my home is filled with multiple laptops, smartphones, tablets, and other internet-connected devices, there isn't a single pen to be found, no ballpoint, fountain, or rollerball, 
you know, highlighter, marker, or an e- even an itty-bitty nub of a pencil. And that is because he doesn't write anything anymore. So uh, how, how prevalent is that? We may never figure that out over the course of today, but we'd love to hear from you, uh, 860-275-7266. What's your take on the state of handwriting? Do you mourn its passing? Do you not believe that it is passing? Or do you have some other uh, perspective on it? 860-275-7266. If you have completely become a digital being, you may tweet us. You may tweet us at WNPR Colin, where our tweet master, Greg Hill, is waiting to tweet right back at you. So um, without further ado, let me tell you who's here. In the studio uh, is Lisa Lano. Uh, she is a handwriting analyst, sometimes known as a graphologist. She's also the author of the book The Secret Cave, which I think doesn't have anything to do with graphology. No, don't go looking for graphology uh, in that book. Uh, she's worked on murder and fraud cases and all kinds of things. So anyway, uh, we'll get to her in just a second. Uh, Kitty burns Flory is the author of nine novels and two nonfiction books, including Script and Scribble, The Rise and Fall of Handwriting. Uh, Steve Graham is a professor in the Division of Educational Leadership and Innovation at Mary Lou Fulton Teachers College. He has studied how writing develops, how to teach writing, and how writing can support reading and learning. All right. So uh, now I actually have to figure out where they are on the board and put them up on the – here we go. So um, Kitty Burns-Flory, I'm going to start with you. And I did a little research and I realized that almost exactly five years ago in the first – I think it might have been the fourth show we ever did for the Colin McEnroe show. You were on talking about handwriting. So this is kind of an anniversary. We're getting back together again. (laughs) It's lovely to be here. (laughs) Yeah. And and if anything, I mean I think you would agree that the arc of handwriting – has has been in decline even in the ensuing five years, more signs of of death, more spots of leprosy on the body of handwriting. Uh, maybe you don't agree, but um, well, let's let's start with that. I mean, are are we further along in the decline of handwriting than 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 we were five years ago? Would you just even anecdotally feel that way? Well, you know, it's a difficult question. Yes, I think that, I, and and I'm not involved in schools or anything, but just from what I hear anecdotally. Um, Handwriting is going further and further out into the the uh, status somewhere, and nobody's really um, champion, championing it, except for the people who are, and the people who are concerned about it, and the people who write articles and go on shows like this and talk about how much we're losing. So I think it's still hanging. It's kind of on the precipice. It's still got one foot on earth, but um, it's fading fast. And I, I think it's, of course, as you might expect, I think that that's a big mistake. Well, you know, I want to come back to whether it's a big mistake or not and get the rest of our guests involved in this. But just while, I, while we're on this for a second, you know, your book is called The Rise and Fall of Handwriting. And I think it's fair to acknowledge anyway that at least among us common people, uh, us, uh, the members of the common ruck of humankind, you know, handwriting has had kind of a brief reign, right? I mean, you really, what, about mid-19th century maybe that, that people who were not elites started to develop something that was recognizably penmanship and, and even had a name. Was it called uh, Copperplate or something like that, right? Yes, and Spencerian. But that was about the same time that people started becoming literate. You know, before that, nobody could read. And so the only people who could read or write were um, the elite. But as soon as the common man developed reading skills, it also became necessary to develop writing skills. So, um, yes, it's been relatively brief, 
but so has literacy. So the two go together. Well, do the, I mean, the two obviously do go together. Uh, on the other hand, it seems to me the other thing that goes together or the other way that this goes together was that, that employment and the ability to write yeah. be, became coordinated. So the reason that yeah. there's something, there became something called Spencerian Copperplate, which was the style of the original sort of you know, standardized attempt at penmanship, and there have been many others, all of which I'm sure you could recount in great detail. But, right. but Spencerian Copperplate came about not just because people became literate, but because people it was necessary for one's clerk or, or whatever you know person was was working in, in a way that required writing to write pretty much the same way as the other clerks, so everybody could read everybody else's script, right? right. Yes, and everything was handwritten, so yeah, there were no no typewriters, and so uh, yeah, if you worked in an office, you had to have very nice legible handwriting. So um, now let's let's sort of go over and, and let's find out on the educational front um, what actually is going on here. So uh, Steve Graham, as I said, professor in the Division of Educational Leadership and Innovation at Mary Lou Fulton Teachers College. Um, you heard me say that thing about the Common Core, but the Common Core is one thing, and obviously it's being instituted uh, across the country, although not in every state so far. Is it... Is it part of a larger whole? I mean, is there some kind of conversation going on within pedagogy right now about handwriting and whether it needs to to continue to be taught? Well, I think one of the things I would say is I don't think handwriting's time has completely come yet in terms of going off the stage. It shares the stage with new technological tools for writing, and that's particularly true at home. But when you take a look at the classroom, Um, We've conducted a number of national surveys asking teachers about their use of writing by hand or writing on word processing, and there's actually very little that's done at school. In most schools in the U.S., there are exceptions to this, where kids are actually writing on word processors, and the primary reason is that there just are not very many word processing tools or keyboarding tools in the typical classroom. So in many ways, handwriting's time has not come and even outside the school. You or, know, yeah, the deal. The, it's really easy to, to use. Right. Very cheap. The death of handwriting uh, has not come. And, and so, and that's a great point that we're assuming um, a, a sort of digital pervasiveness that doesn't really exist. It really isn't just because everybody in Brooklyn uh, has, you know, a, um, a smartphone for texting and a, a notebook and, and everything like that. And that doesn't mean everybody in, in America does. And, and that's a really important point to make. Um, so, um, Lisa Lano, uh, one thing that I do feel is true for those of us – I mean, look, I didn't need a digital revolution to have crappy handwriting. I had crappy handwriting before anybody uh, had anything like that. And like uh, Betsy Kaplan and other people associated with this show, I'm left-handed. I was taught by teachers who had no idea how to teach cursive to a left-handed person. So I was pretty happy to stop writing. <laughs> and so – what I would say to someone like you, someone who, who studies other people's handwriting, is um, I don't think I have handwriting anymore. In other words, if you ask me to write something, I will do my best using <laughs> this kind of primitive kind of printing as opposed to cursive script uh, to, to make myself understood on a piece of paper. Uh, but I, I don't feel as though I do it often enough or unconsciously enough to actually have handwriting that anybody could, could, could analyze or extract any information from. What would, be, what would be your reaction? I'm sure I'm not the first person to say that to you. Uh, no, you're not the first person. And what I would say is it doesn't matter because your handwriting um, – I have crappy handwriting as well. Mm. And a lot of times people who, uh, let's say, start – you try to be neat 
and then you just kind of go off the page, it's because your mind is thinking very fast. Mm -hmm. So what handwriting is actually your brain print. It is your personal brain print, just like a fingerprint. No two are the same. So it doesn't matter how you write, whether you write slow or fast, messy, not messy. There are traits in that that reveal your personality um, as opposed to your signature, which is how you feel about yourself publicly. But that's what handwriting analysis is. It's not – people will say, oh, my gosh, I write so messy. And it doesn't matter. I write messy too. I can't even read my own writing. It's interesting that you make a distinction between the signature and then regular handwriting. So, yes, there is a difference. Although I thought – my sense of a signature is it's supposed to be your most unconscious writing, right? If you think about your signature at all, you're going to screw it up. Um, and, and so that – I mean to have a signature – which is another thing that I believe is also an endangered species because people now write yeah. with their fingers on these little pads, yeah. you know, at CVS or something. Uh, but um, I guess they don't use the finger pad there. But you know what I'm talking about. I do. And, um, it's, but it's, I would have guessed that a signature would reveal the most because no. that's where you're uh, habituating. No, it actually doesn't. It's if you write a paragraph, and I guarantee with some of the samples you're going to see a lot of what you see is not what you get. You're, and I would venture to say you're probably like that because you're a public personality. You probably have a specific way of signing your name that shows how you feel about yourself publicly. For example, you might um, write large because you're out there in the public, but yet it might be illegible because you really don't want people to know everything about you. And that's just because you're in the public view, whereas your other handwriting, you know, your paragraph that you wrote could be completely different. Maybe you have well-organized thoughts. doesn't mean that your drawers have to be neat at home, but your thoughts could be organized. I would venture to say that – and what you're talking about printing, it's printing or print writing. A lot of people do it. I do it. I like to say – think that my signature says get away from me. Uh, but I could be wrong. I could <laughs> but that's absolutely, public. Absolutely that's could, public. That is absolutely my uh, public persona. Well, let me see your signature. All right. I'll tell okay. You. We'll work on that. Eight six zero two seven five seven two six six. Quite a few people already calling in. Um, Kitty Burns, Flory. Let me just go back to you for a second. All right. So for a lot of us, writing is a chore and always has been a chore. I mean, handwritten writing always has been a chore. I found it um, horrible in college because I don't have good penmanship to have to write uh, essay question exams in blue books, and I would smear it with my left-handed writing and, and I felt even as though sometimes I was – and there are some pedagogical studies to back this up that, I, I, that my work was sometimes misjudged and maybe deemed a little bit inferior not because of the thinking or the actual words chosen or anything like that but because the handwriting was so bad. Uh, we sometimes see estimates uh, as high as 7,000 a year of the number of people who die because somebody can't read a doctor's handwriting uh, on a chart. Now, these charts are going away too but, but, but that has been the case. So, you know, given all the burdens and afflictions that handwriting has placed on some of us, some of us greet the death of handwriting, you know, like revolutionaries in the plaza shooting our pistols in the air and whooping with joy. Tell us why we're wrong. Why shouldn't we be happy to have handwriting be a dinosaur? <laughs> well, first of all, I really do think that there are times when we need to use it. Um, I mean, everybody doesn't always have a functioning, uh, charged uh, electronic device with them at every minute when they need or want to write something down. But just to address what you said earlier, that, that you had such bad handwriting that you're glad that you don't have to use it anymore. You know, I think that handwriting could be taught better. A different When I was in school, we learned the Palmer Method, which is this very fancy flowery thing that was taught when I was in school in the 50s and 60s. Um, and it was very hard to master, but there are... There are, there are clearer, more legible, more elegant, more efficient um, scripts that, that should be taught 
from first grade on, kids shouldn't start by learning to print. They should go right into cursive writing. But it doesn't have to be flowery and fancy. It can be really easy. There are various scripts that I would recommend that I think fill that bill. So I think if you had been taught differently, you would be a better writer. And if you had been made to use that writing um, all your life, because, I mean, this is no longer the case, but that you would be a better handwriter. We can't, we can't, our handwriting is horrible because we never use it and because we were probably taught badly in the first place. Um, by the way, as we go along here, I'm going to get to some phone calls here. We also have uh, a, uh, a delightful studio audience here. As a matter of fact, maybe we can impress Steve Graham with what a good class you are They're from the writing program at Mark Twain. So let's pretend I'm your teacher, and so my name is Mr. McEnroe. So let's pretend also that it's morning. I want you to say in unison, good morning, Mr. McEnroe. One, two, three. Morning, Mr. Macaro. See, that was very nice. Um, so uh, they're here, and they actually also may be asking questions as well. Uh, and we've got all kinds of things going on here. So, uh, Steve Graham, um, one thing that you probably know better than I do is that every time there's uh, a very scientific-looking educational study uh, about, uh, particularly regarding cognition and 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 how it applies to to some other aspect of learning. Uh, you only have to wait about six months to find a study coming out that says pretty much the opposite thing. But we have seen a spate of studies that do suggest, in a way that would warm the cockles of Lisa Lano and Kitty Burns Flory's hearts, that, 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 that something goes on in handwriting that doesn't go on otherwise, that there are distinct and separate brain patterns uh, that, that are brought forth if somebody is, in fact, writing by hand. There have also been some studies about how people take notes and, and that, they, uh, that suggest that students learn better when they take notes by hand than when they type on a keyboard, um, partly because they're making more choices probably on a keyboard you tend to transcribe as opposed to sort of pick out the thing that's really worth all the trouble of writing down. Um, and, but I mean, you know, putting people's uh, heads into MRIs, you're starting to see some real differences in handwriting. How much does any of this mean to you as an educator of educators? I mean, do you, do you buy into some of those arguments? Not a whole lot. And the reason for that is is that it is not surprising that you get different brain patterns when people do something by hand versus typing it or on the keyboard. Um, they, re- they both are motor skills, but they require uh, different processes. That does not, however, mean that one is necessarily better than the other. It is the case, though, as you pointed out, that people do tend to prefer taking notes by hand. In many ways, that's easier. What we do know pretty clearly, whether you um, go by hand or whether you go by a keyboard, whenever you write about something that you're reading or something that you're learning, it makes learning better, it makes comprehension stronger. So there are values to both writing on a keyboard and by hand. I don't think we know enough at this point to say one is better than the other. And I think this isn't going to be a very important argument in the future. Uh, If there is an advantage, it's not going to be a large amount. Um, Kitty Burns-Flory, I think you would probably say the same thing that he just said, which is why make one the enemy of the other. If we know that certain neural pathways light up as a result uh, of doing handwriting and other uh, neural pathways light up uh, as a result of of doing typewritten work or keyboarded work. Uh, And we know also that if neural pathways light up a lot, if they light up frequently, they develop. They actually uh, improve as neural networks. I suppose your argument would be, well, then let's make sure we do both just in case one of them actually really is worth having in some other way. 
That is absolutely my argument. I honestly cannot see why one has to supersede the other. We have all these conflicting studies. We don't know. And maybe for some students, it's better to do it one way, and some students it's better to do, the, do it the other way. But if they, aren't, if they don't have access to both methods, then they may not be realizing their potential. I just I can't understand why handwriting is not taught and why also not just keyboarding, but I think touch typing, fast touch typing should be taught. I, I, I learned that in school, too, and I type like the wind. And it's a, it's a wonderful skill to have, along with a, a reliable, legible handwriting that you can use whenever you do need it. All right. Um, we're going to take a break here pretty soon, and then we'll try to get to some calls, too. We've got these uh, great guests here. Lisa Lano, I want to come back to you for a second. Now, obviously, you have a, a dog in this fight, right? If people stop doing handwriting, uh, if people completely switch over to thumbs uh, on their smartphones and fingers on their keyboards, you're going to be doing a lot less graphology and spending a lot more time writing The Secret Cave Part 2. Um, so, I mean, but setting that aside, I mean, do you, as you listen to them, I mean— Forgetting for a moment that uh, that graphology puts a certain amount of bread on your on your dinner table. I mean, how, how do you feel about the devolution of handwriting? Well, what because it's your brain print. I think it tells a lot about people. And I use handwriting for a very practical purpose. For example, if you were going away and needed somebody to say look after your elderly mom. You want somebody, you want to know their personality, you want to know if they're trustworthy, you want to know things about them. I can get that through a handwriting sample. So if they stop doing that, it's, you know, it's just a very useful tool for me. I use it, like I said, very practically. Um, I've used it with uh, profiling, and uh, there's so many practical ways to do it. Um, I mean, I'm going on a different side. I totally agree with, you know, what they're saying as well, but I'm going in a different direction with mine. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think... uh, we would be doing ourselves a disservice not to keep handwriting around for those reasons. It helps in couples therapy. One writes one way, one writes another way. Uh, a handwriting analyst can look at that and tell the people how to, you know, practice and merge things so that maybe you can get along a little bit better for some practical things. Although this is, I mean, to be fair, I mean, I think it's fascinating, but it's it's a little bit of subject to debate, right? I mean, there are there are if you try to. I, I don't know whether you actually have been a, a witness in court or something like that. But if you're a witness in court, I'm guessing the other side challenges you right away no, and says there's not. there's nothing to graphology. It, it is yeah. not um, it's not admissible in court in this country. But there are countries in Europe mm-hmm. where, in order to get a job, you have to submit a handwriting sample. I was reading about that in, yeah. in Great Britain, for example. Yep. It's somewhat common, yep. uh, you know, as you move through the 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 tiers uh, of an employment interview or series of interviews, yeah. it has, at least in recent, uh, I don't know how what is recently, but in the past, it's been very common. They'll ask for a handwriting oh, yeah. sample and turn it over to Lisa Lano, and sh- you'll say what? No, this person is a well, gold-bricking <laughs> sociopath. Could be, it could be. <clears throat> but, uh, for example, if I'm hiring somebody to for secretarial purposes, I want somebody who is efficient and can work alone and so on and so forth. If their handwriting is all over the page and they would be better off as a promoter than, you know, I know what, where to put them. Or if I'm going to be leaving them in my home office by myself, I want to make sure that they're honest. So I'll have them write, why do you want this job? Give me two or three sentences and sign your name. Why do you think you fit this job? Or somebody take care of my pets. Things right. like that. All right. You know, we're going to take a break here. Uh, but as we go into a break, uh, Wolfie, uh, I, I forgot to ask for this earlier, uh, but we should do it because we've got some fabulous Fox, uh, Brit Hill and Allison Ehrenreich, two of our interns, went out onto the streets 
you may have heard them yesterday asking people about hell. They were also asking people about their handwriting. To me, it's pretty much the same thing. Uh, but uh, let's hear – let's end this segment, if we can, Wolfie, with just uh, what Britt and Allison collected from uh, the people walking the streets of wherever. How would you describe your handwriting? Awful. Absolutely awful. It's always been awful. I can't even do a shopping list. It looks really bad. I blame my elementary school. <laughs> I have any handwriting. I write cursive, so, I mean, I write a lot. It's terrible. Uh, I'm a teacher, so it's actually pretty good. <laughs> but if I'm writing quickly, then it's not very good. Yeah, chicken scratch, but I get by. I think I have good handwriting, and I like my handwriting, and I'm very sad to, to know that kids anymore aren't learning. I feel like it is becoming somewhat of a lost art. I mean, I'll write handwritten thank you notes if I need to or something like that, but um, even my grocery lists are now on my, on my smartphone. Like a five-year-old boy. <laughs> Not good. I hate my handwriting. I think it's terrible. Um, I think it's because I'm a college student, and everything we do now is mostly typed, so I don't really have a lot to write. I love my handwriting. It's beautiful. Everybody likes it, so I love it even more. All right. We are back. Uh, we're talking about handwriting right now. You know, it's important to have good handwriting in some occupations. Uh, some of the ones are ones that have already been mentioned here today. Uh, Woody Allen in uh, Take the Money and Run made it clear how important it is to have good handwriting if you are a bank robber. Uh, this is a scene in which he goes to a into a bank and tries to uh, pass a note to the teller. The note gets passed uh, all over the bank because, well, you'll see why. That's G-U-N. I'm Gunner? pointing... Yes, oh, I'm, a that's I'm pointing a gun at you. Gun? That's, that's G-U-N. Well, that's gun. a B. That's Gub. <clears throat> no, excuse me. That's, that's an N. I'm, I'm, uh, Miss Frank. I am pointing a gun at you. Apt, natural. No, that's what act. What is apt? Yeah, that's act. Oh, it couldn't be. That's yes. a plain B. No, 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 no. I'm afraid not. That's, that's act, natural, and oh, I'm pointing a gun at you. Mr. No, Miller. I am pointing a gub. No, that's gun. That's G-U-N. That's gun. I am pointing a gun at you. No, no. It looks like a B, but it's an N. So, so that's one reason uh, to learn good handwriting. You don't want to be in a bad situation like that. Um, all right, we're going to go to the phones here. Um, let me just, uh, in fact, I'm going to keep uh, one of our guests just on hold here to uh, open up a line here. So uh, we'll get back to Steve Graham in just a second here. Let's go to the phones, and we will start with uh, Matt in Vernon. Hi, Matt. Hi, Collins. Um, my experience, and mostly with handwriting, is actually in um, like notebooks for classes that actually work. Um, I'm a physics graduate student, so a lot of what I involve writing is not just, you know, words, prose and whatnot, but also trying to get down formulas. And while one can do that, you know, at a, maybe a slow pace uh, on a computer with some of the um, more fancy pro uh, programs available, you just can't keep up with a lecture professor getting all that material down, you know, other than by hand. And my handwriting over the years is just more to, uh, developed into a very, very fancy printing that I can, you know, go really, really fast and make sure that I get all the necessary formulas down. So I think at least for certain, you know, areas in college, handwriting won't die out. It may still be, a, you know, you know, not the prettiest script cursive, but... Um, uh, it'll still stick around, or at and, least that's what I think. And is that, uh, I want to make sure I understand, uh, that's because, in fact, just some of the symbols and things that are being used in formulas aren't, aren't even there to be had on the keyboard? Well, it's, you have to, uh, there are like 
um, sort of uh, typesetting programs that you have to write, you know, little macros in in order to get it on a proper page. Mm -hmm. So you have to spend a lot more effort to try to get the the uh, equation that you want when it's you know a second just to scribble it down in in paper. You have diagrams and a whole bunch of other stuff and doodling perhaps. Um, uh, so is that. You know, pencil and paper is still really powerful when it's not uh, when you're not just stuck in writing prose. I believe you. Uh, all right, uh, let me grab uh, one or two more calls here, and then we're going to go back to our guests for uh, a bit. Also, um, Lisa is going to start uh, analyzing some handwriting here too. Uh, we have uh, various people. Names that you would know here from WNPR have submitted handwriting, and I think maybe some of our uh, youthful guests may have as well. Uh, we'll find out. But here's uh, Mike in Willimantic. Hi, Mike. Hi, how are you? Just fine. That's good. Um, so I have an anecdote about pens in the workplace, but I also have a reaction to uh, Matt and Vernon's stuff about uh, taking notes in class. I work at a university. I'm in the IT department, and we have an area that serves faculty uh, in terms of training and health problems and stuff like that. And Thirteen years ago, we used to have pens everywhere because we got them from vendors who had their logo on them or programs at the university that had their information on them. And I became something of a pen snob. I actually would pick up a pen to write something. If it didn't write right away, I threw it out. I didn't scribble on the paper uh, with those little circles or shake it. I just got rid of it. Now, we have no pens, and we don't have any legal pads. And when people come in and they learn something and they want to take something down, they ask sometimes for a pen and paper, and we're kind of at a loss. We pull a piece of paper out of the printer and tell them that it's the old way, and we don't do that anymore. <laughs> um, so I, I've seen that change uh, over the past 13 years. I think you're right in, in general. I mean, in a lot of workplaces, it, it goes on here. We go through periods of time where we don't have enough pens around. And uh, back when I worked for WTIC, we never had pens around because they were unbelievably cheap and never uh, provided us with any office supplies. And at one point, and this may or may not solve your problem, Mike, but at one point my on-air partner, Bruce Stevens, announced on the air that we didn't have any pens and he would like people to send us pens. And so we got a lot of pens, and I would say somewhere around, somewhere around – 75% of them were from sales reps from pharmaceutical companies because that, that is just one of the things that they leave at the doctor's office. They leave, you know, uh, a pen that has, you know, that's, that has the name of some anti-flagellants drug on it or something. Uh, right. So, you know, we tended to, they like that here in the studio audience. Uh, now, with regard to students taking notes, um, we see here that uh, students still take notes sort of by hand, but they... They bring recorders, they record the lectures, and they just write down the time code for the important part that they want to remember. So they're not scrawling down all the important things they say verbatim or even their own version of it. They're writing, you know, two minutes in, three minutes in, four minutes in, and then reviewing their, their logs later on. Right. And so that, that's an interesting thing. I mean, and that almost... I feel like note-taking is a subset of this topic, but it's such a huge su subset. We almost need to do an entire show on taking notes. Wouldn't that be fascinating? Anyway, uh, we got a tweet. says, longhand script should be thrown under the bus in favor of A, shorthand for note-taking. I do want to say that as a former newspaper reporter, Susan Campbell was the only person I knew who actually took notes in shorthand. We were all very envious, uh, although Lisa can do it too. Palm script uh, for, uh, for data, data entry, whatever palm script is. Um, all right, so... 
Uh, I've lost my track. I don't even know where to go. We've got some phone calls. We've got some tweets. I think what I'm going to do, because we do have Lisa Lano here, and she does analyze handwriting, and so we do have some handwriting samples for her. And We're going to do most of them towards the end of the show, but I think it might be interesting just to sort of get an example, get a, sort of a sense of how this whole graphology thing works. So I've handed you um, a, a writing sample from a WNPR employee who, so far anyway, will go nameless. Uh, and so what can you tell me about this person? Okay. Well, uh, the signature, and I'll tell you how I know these things, too. So the signature and the writing is exactly the same. So basically what that means is what you see is what you get. Mm -hmm. So the person that you see publicly is the same as you see privately. Now, is she right here? No, she's not. She's not in this room, but she can can hear everything that you're saying. Okay, cool. She is, she keeps her feelings rather repressed. Bingo. Um, it doesn't mean that she's not a giving person. People say, oh, well, I'm not giving. Yeah, you are. It just means you keep your feelings to yourself. They're a bit repressed. Bingo. She has more influence from her mother than her father. I have now, no that idea could if that's be, true. Well, that could be negative or positive. Yeah. Some people say, well, my mother wasn't in my life or she died when I was three. It's Well, that gives you more influence. Um, she is a bit, I want to say, a little hard on herself. She oh. tries to be perfect. She wants everything to be just right. I would say she's extremely conscientious. Um, She's moving forward with her life, and I have a feeling that this has to do with career, um, that she's moving forward in her career, yet she's not moving forward to the point of off the page forward where um, some of the young students here, let's say the seniors, they're going to be moving forward without any stopping. She may have a family. She may have kids at home or something to keep her here, a mortgage or something. So she can only move ahead so far, but she is moving ahead. Something that does change, and I'm trying to go fast for time, something that does change is your mood because you can be in the greatest mood and then find out your dog just passed away and you're terrible. Okay, so in in other words, anybody's mood. Anybody's mood can change. But right now, she's extremely extremely stable anyway, but her mood right now is normal to up a Mm. little. So today she's in a – she's feeling all right. She's feeling well. Um, She means what she says. Um, She's a bit closed personally about telling people her personal thoughts, and she – keeps a normal amount of space between herself and others. Um, in other words, she doesn't have a huge wall between herself and others. She has a normal amount of space between them. And since we are going nameless here, I will say that she's probably at home a cuddle bug, whether it be with a pet or a human. Oh, no, I'm going to name her, and I also don't Uh-oh. know whether that's true or Oops. not. <laughs> well, that's why I said it could be with a pet. It doesn't, you know, in other words, she isn't going to be the type that's going to be all over somebody and has to be like um, needy, needy, attention, attention. But she likes some sort of closeness, and I would venture to say that um, – and I, I didn't really re- even – I don't read what they write. I just look at the handwriting. Yeah. Um, she's – like I said, she's probably a cuddle book. She's probably the type of person that if she has a, a pet or a baby, gives them lots of love, lots of hugs, lots of kisses, physical that way. But yet to the point where if she's got a significant other, she doesn't have to be constantly on them holding their hands, holding their arm. Um, things like that. She's, All right, I'm going to stop you there. Just yep. I, I want to say I, I don't, I can't comment on the cuddle bug part, and <laughs> I and I can't comment on the mother father part. And I will say, Lisa, that even going into the show, I, you know, I had some qualms because graphology is kind of a debated thing for some people. It seems very scientific. Other people think it's basically you know the handwriting equivalent of astrology, and they don't believe in astrology. Uh, you know, it, it is sort of something that people argue about, right, uh, about the validity uh, of. But I will say, you nailed this. You nailed this. You yeah. you stuck your landing, uh, as they say. 
say in gymnastics. So that's Bessie Kaplan, and you pretty much described her to a T. I mean, Katie's in here nodding, and I think the interns are out there nodding. I mean, that was about that was a letter perfect description uh, of Betsy Kaplan. So, um, so, so you know, A plus. What can I say? I mean, as I say, well, I, I don't know about the cuddle works. bug part. I don't want to know about the cuddle bug part. Well, maybe she has a pet. She does. She does. She okay. has a dog. She's very fond of a dog. Uh, all right. Why don't we take a break here? Uh, I'm, I'm astounded, though. I'm reeling. That was very impressive. Uh, 860-275-7266 if you want to call in. Uh, if you know uh, anything about Bitsy Kaplan you'd like to share, you can tweet it at WNPR Colin. No, please don't do that. Uh, and uh, we'll be back after this. Dear Jason Beagler, I want to mave your Bobby. Huh, I can't even read my own letter to Justin Bieber. This really is a crisis in modern communication. Today's show was produced by Lily Tyson and... I can't read Lily's writing here. Bootsy, Kepler, and Cayenne Whitefish. Our interns are Lily... What does this say? Jack Nalbatross and Kiki Piecrust. Glenn Hatbad appeared in our intro and tweets for us at WNPR Colin. The part of Bill Curry was played by I... I can't read this at all. For show pages, articles, and handwritten letters to Emeril Lagasse from the Faith Middleton Show staff, visit our website at WNPR.org. On tomorrow's show, the nose remembers the 90s. And now, back to Colin. All right, we have some time left, and so let me tell you. First of all, we're willing to, we're happy, we're eager to take your phone calls about the, either the death of handwriting, what you think will be lost if people stop doing handwriting, or your reasons for supposing that people will not stop uh, doing handwriting, or some terribly onerous and sad uh, story that you have about ways in which the world has mistreated you because of your handwriting, or something else that I'm not thinking of. Whatever it is, call us at 860-275-7266. That's 860-275-7266. We also have quite a bit of excitement uh, here in the studio. Uh, we have lots of exciting young people from the Mark Twain uh, Writers, Writers Program here in Hartford. Uh, and we have Lisa Lano, who is a graphologist and an analyzer of handwriting. And she has astonished us uh, with her first <laughs> foray into analyzing uh, the writing of our staff. So she's got a few more samples here. And I should say also we have some samples that have come in. Uh, we asked uh, via Twitter whether people would um, give us handwriting samples and then um, uh, uh, just t- Twitter pick them to us, basically. I think that's how that happened. Is that how that happened? I think Twitter pick is, would that be over? Yeah, tw- twit pick, twit pick. They twit picked it to us. So it's a thing you should be, say very carefully. So, um, so, uh, so Lisa Lano over there, you've got some, you've got three more staff samples. I do. Um, I haven't given you Cayones yet because I, I hope she wrote enough. She only wrote like two little. Do you, will you be able to analyze that much? Hand? Okay, I okay. Can try. She sure. can try. All right. So, uh, but you have more extensive ones over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, what have you got? This one here. I won't right. say the name until you do. Okay. Um, this person puts themselves in a bubble. A bubble. They keep themselves very well protected. Um, This is probably something more personal, but they keep walls around themselves. Um, Yet they're still friendly, but in their personal life, they keep walls around themselves. They make sure – it's a girl. She makes sure to keep her public self completely away from her private self. Um, She's very independent, and I'm going to say – 
probably has been for a long time, since maybe teenagehood. Just very, very independent, wants to do everything alone. Um, this is a person who keeps their feelings and everything in her life controlled. She needs to stay in control of everything. That does not mean she's a control freak and controls others. It just means that she likes to keep herself because she has a lot of respect as well. Um, she's good with details. She's a quick thinker, but she does think things out rather than just do them quickly and without making you know making decisions. Um, I mean, this is just quick, quick, quick. What I'm getting on this. Well, yeah, actually, you are. This is uh, Heather Brandon who runs uh, our our web presence, and uh, once again, the people who know her even better than I know her are nodding, and I'm nodding too. This is very impressive, I have to say. I mean, oh, you've, the first two of these, you've you've absolutely uh, summed up the person very well. And this uh, is quick. I can go into a lot right. more detail, but I know we don't have time. I'm sure for Heather that. would appreciate it if you didn't. I, uh, I know. <laughs> all right, so you want to try another one? Sure. Okay, there's just another one here. Yeah. Okay. Another person. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is also a female. Mm-hmm. This person is moving forward in life like you would not believe. This is like nothing's holding me back emotionally. I would venture to say this may be a young person yep. who is just like, that's it. I'm moving forward in life. Um, she still has some of the traits of the very young, which is, and you're going to find it here a lot, especially mm-hmm. with the young ladies, um, where they care a lot about the here, the now, the physical, how things look, and that's perfectly normal for younger people. As we get older, you'll see the upper zones start to go higher because we're thinking about the more spiritual and the more, you know, I mean, especially I'm over 60, so you get to that point where you're starting to go, oh, how many years I got left, you know? Um, but this this is another person who you've got the right people for your staff yeah. because these are people that think things through. They're not going to make a quick rash decision. Um, again, normal amount of distance between herself and others. She's independent, but I think she needs a self-esteem boost. I think somebody needs to kick her and say, you know what? You're an amazing person. So I don't know who we're talking about. I don't know her, but I want to say that, wow, you're amazing. Now, publicly, you wouldn't know that because publicly she's very out there. She's very, hi, how are you doing? She's great with the public. She's friendly. She's good with the public. Um, and she's almost creatively flowery with the public. But her deep self, she needs to work on – yeah, I know. I've turned into a therapist now. She needs to work on getting herself more privately the way she is publicly because she's got so many good traits and qualifications and everything. She just needs to believe in herself more. Um, All right. Well, I would say that except for the maybe out there with the public part, you really nailed Lydia Brown, a oh. producer from where we live, uh, in, in, in lots of ways. I mean I thought that was a very, very accurate – um, description of Lydia. And she is. She's about to go racing forward. Yep. Uh, and it is, however, important for all of us to tell her that she's uh, beautiful and amazing and wonderful. So consider that said publicly uh, as of now. All right. You've got one more uh, staff sample over oh, there. This one's cracking me up. Um, <laughs> I looked at it and said, this has got to be a guy. And you said, I didn't really realize that it says it at the bottom. Um, publicly, a compl- bit different than privately. Can't read his handwriting at all publicly. So he's somebody who's very quick to work publicly. Mm. This person has a lot to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. He is not going anywhere. He's not moving forward, forward, and he's not being held back. He's probably got a family. He's right where he needs to be. Um, so you're saying he kind of likes where he is. He's, he's, he's okay where he is right now, yeah. and it doesn't seem like, you know. Now, he tends to be privately. I feel like he would like to be more impulsive than he is, and I want to say that he 
probably has a family that, and he's like, oh, I can't be impulsive. I have a family or I have obligations to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a lot of influence from both his parents. Um, yeah, both his parents. A lot from the mom, but I'd say more from the mom um, than the dad. Uh, he, again, thinks very quickly. Again, you've got the same – the traits that are the same are really good. This guy cares about um, the lower zone here where the Ys are and the – that is um, money, physical, and sex. Now, obviously, we're not going to go into that kind of stuff. However, what it means is that this person probably cares about their physical, whether it's their health or their body, mm-hmm. um, and finances, um, something like that. In which case, he should not be working in public radio. <laughs> but he's probably very careful with it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like his mind doesn't stop. I feel like his mind just goes, 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 and he wants to just keep going and, and thinking, and he can't right fast enough for the way his mind goes. Normal amount of distance between himself and other people. He doesn't have any of the, quote, bad traits, which uh, I can see in handwriting. Mm-hmm. And I can show you at a, another time if you want what they are, what to look for, um, as far as people that are uh, thieves or people – you can tell people that are on medicine or drugs mm-hmm. just by their handwriting. You need a pen um, for that. All right. I, I would say, okay, so this is Tucker Rives. And uh, Tucker, just a little bit of background, is the uh, first WNPR employee to actually be born in an incubator on the second floor. Uh, and then he was an intern here for 16 years. He's never been anywhere else. Um, so it's, you know, you once again, he is when you say that he's, you know, happy where he mm-hmm. is. And he's, yeah, this is, this is, it's, this is like the Truman Show. This is, the only, this is the only life that Tucker's ever known. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you, but he's happy with it. You're pretty well got it. All right. We've got some, well, actually, everybody wants to uh, have you analyze Kion's handwriting. She didn't give you a lot to work with here. I'll do my best. And I lost it. So it's just a few quick things. But Okay. I'll do my, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Oh Believe boy. me, I deal with this every day. Oh boy. Here's another person who um, keeps their feelings in control, needs, is this is a female or a male? Uh, female. She needs her space. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yes, boy. Mentally, emotionally, physically, give me my space. I don't have my space. I'm not happy. Um, another person who I feel needs some self-esteem work. I want to say you're awesome. You need more self-esteem. Um, actually, her self-esteem shows that she's average, but a little below average. Mm. Um, good with details. This is a person who could work alone in an office and be okay with it mm-hmm. and not have to have a bunch of people. She doesn't really want people to know too, too much about her. She's very private, um, especially publicly. Okay, this is all. I, I just just so we can do some more. I, this is Kion Wolf, and a lot of people knowing Kion Wolf's public uh, persona would question that. But those of us who actually know Kion, true, needs a lot of space. Um, uh, really happier, all by herself in a studio with. I mean, you know, obviously she is very comfortable out in public and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you actually are describing the and real. She's Kion. centered. Yeah, she's centered in her life right now. Uh, well, that's gratifying to know. Yeah. All right. So um, let's uh, – we've got some people from the outside world uh, who, who send things in here. So let's try this one who – all right. So they've written down I think a quote. I don't know if that helps them or not, a quote from somebody else. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, this is online paper. It, I can get more out of online mm-hmm. paper, yeah. but that's OK. I can still analyze it. Um, this is a person who um, – let me see here. What you see is what you get. And it says Douglas, okay, just so Douglas A, if you're out there, um, this is for you. You are very emotionally giving. This is a person who will give his heart. 
Um, now, again, when I say emotionally giving, I don't mean that somebody who keeps their feelings repressed is not emotionally giving. It just means that you keep that in. This is somebody who will tell somebody they love them. You don't have to pull it out of them. Um, this is somebody who thinks things through, does not make impulsive decisions at all, cares about other people, um, kind of a bit of a – likes to be around people, likes to have people around him. He's not real good all by himself. He would rather be around people. Um, let's see. Yep, what you see is what you get. It's hard to tell certain things because of the – Because of the lines. The lines, right. but that's okay. Hand that one back to me. Okay. Um, just because they, – and his name actually isn't Douglas. I think that's a quote from Douglas Adams that he's got oh, up there. Oh, I'm he so sorry. I wasn't so reading So uh, Spotweld, I don't know whether that describes oh, you or not. But okay. That's his Twitter handle, Spotweld. Sorry. Um, <laughs> If that describes you, tweet to Greg that that was accurate or not. I don't know what you're supposed to do. I just saw One, Douglas, and right. that's what I thought. It goes to show you, I don't read what, what's on here. I just yeah. look. No, that's right. You're getting the, the yeah, actual I'm vibrations from the handwriting. Okay, this person from Jennifer S. That's S isn't Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this is somebody who, wow, she's, she needs to lighten up on herself. <laughs> lighten up. Mm-hmm. Needs to lighten up. Um She's, I want to say, overly critical with herself, cares, this is probably somebody young as well, or in the type of job, because I don't have a signature, or in the type of job where uh, she needs to have everything looking right. I want to say she's very careful about the way things look. There again, that doesn't mean your house is neat. You could have a very busy life and have a messy house. But she's not going to go out of the house looking like a slob. There is no way this is the type of person who's going to make sure her hair is combed to go out and get the mail. She's just like that. Same amount of... Uh, uh, mother, father, I want to say a little bit more influence from the mother. There could possibly be some detachment um, from the father. Her feelings are kept completely in control. A lot of them are similar Mm. here. A normal amount of space between herself and others. She is in her life at a point where she, for some reason, can't move forward. Now, that could be something emotional. That could be because... Uh, she's got kids and can't move, but I have a sneaking suspicion, and this is kind of the other side of what I do coming in, that it's emotional, that All something right. emotional is holding her so back. So Lisa Lano, I'm going to stop you there just because we're running out of time. That was from uh, somebody who tweeted to us. You yep. can tweet back to us if you feel like telling uh, us or Greg Hill uh, whether she was right or not. If you're out there listening and you want Lisa Lano to be your graphologist, we'll put up uh, on our website at WNPR.org some contact information so that you can find her. Thanks to Lily Tyson who pulled this whole show together uh, and, of course, to everybody else who helped out, Kitty Burns-Flory uh, and our other guest, Steve Graham. We'll be back tomorrow with The No. Professor Hill, you wrote something on my essay, but I can't make it out. Let me see that. I wrote that I took points off for bad penmanship.